Kevin. I sure enjoy having young people in church, and I'll never tell them that I enjoy them misbehaving, but I'd rather have them here than not. And uh, so I appreciate the young people in church, and I'm glad that they're here and want to be here. It's a privilege and a blessing. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the byres of iron in asunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them into their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the Bible, and we thank you now for opportunity to open it together and to read from it. I pray that you'd be with each and every heart and mind that's in our room today, including mine, that it would be what you'd have said and spoken today, and that each and every individual would receive your word and receive it well, to receive it as it ought to be received. That if there is someone here that is not sure where they're going when they die, that they would know before they leave this building today how they can have eternal life and they can trust in you for salvation. For others of us who have already received that gift of salvation through Christ, that we would then remember ourselves and 
our situations and our lack of giving you praise and thanks. Help us to hear from you today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It says in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you know who the redeemed of the Lord are? The word redeemed means to be bought back. It means that you were lost as a slave and you were completely in debt and you had no way of being redeemed by yourself, but someone came along and redeemed you. That's exactly what salvation is. Salvation is redemption. Salvation is being redeemed from our iniquities and redeemed from our trespasses and being redeemed from the guilt and the record of sin and the crimes against uh, sin that we have committed. That's what redemption is. That's what being redeemed is all about. Let me encourage you to understand the point of redemption today. And if you are redeemed, if you are saved and on your way to heaven, then you are a person who is redeemed and you need to say so. They might need help in the nursery today if you want to help them. Okay, yeah, well, maybe grandma will go out with, that'll help. Redemption is something that only a, a saved person can praise God for. You know, if you got redeemed from a $50,000 debt, and if you have one, I'm sorry you do. But if you got redeemed from a $50,000 debt, that'd be an exciting thing, and you, you would be pretty happy and probably be clicking your heels and excited about that. But the truth is, you have a greater debt that you need to be redeemed from. And even if 50000 was all of a sudden covered for you, or 500000 or a million, I'm telling you right now that when you come to your death, there's going to be a redemption you're going to need more than that. On the other hand, those of us who are saved, we have that redeem, that redemption. We have that redeeming purchase already now. We know we are on our way to heaven, that we are born again, and we are headed for heaven. Let me, t- let me just say what the Bible says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Are you saved? Are you saved? Then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You've been forgiven something that's bigger than a million dollars. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <clears throat> it says here in verses 1 through 9, the hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Point number one, he satisfies the hungry soul, the longing and the faint. He satisfies them. He meets the need. They go from no city. Notice that also here in verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Notice in verse 7, to a city of habitation. You know what? We have a heavenly city waiting for us. We go from no city to a city of habitation. We go from not being citizens anywhere to a citizen somewhere. I'm so thankful that I know why I'm here and I know where I'm going. I feel sorry for people who don't really know where they're supposed to be, where they're gonna be someday. But those of us who are saved, he has satisfied the hungry and longing soul, and I know where I'm headed, as it says in Hebrews 11. There is a city prepared for God's people. Secondly, notice also in verse number 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I guarantee you, I know this for a fact. There are people in this room that God has satisfied the longing soul. God has met the need and God has caused you to no longer pine away searching for what it is you've been searching for. You have been born again. 
That doesn't mean you don't have any earthly problems anymore, but you no longer have the biggest problem that weighed over you as every human being has. The Bible says that when you are a sinner and you're a human being, you're a sinner, that we are condemned already. And that condemnation causes us to be scared of death because we're not ready for death. But when you've been redeemed, you have something to give praise and thanksgiving for. You might not even feel like it some days. And I'm sorry if you've gotten yourselves under the circumstances because there's no need for that. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. You can just hear the Holy Spirit of God saying, why don't I hear more from them? Back there in Luke chapter 17, we don't need to turn there, but Jesus was approached by 10 lepers. Leprosy is an awful disease. And Jesus was approached by 10 men who were lepers and he healed all 10 of them. All 10 of them were pronounced clean and they took off for the priest to be pronounced clean and be made legal so they could go back home. But I don't want to preach the whole sermon today. But the amazing thing is, is there was only one that returned to give God thanks. It's amazing how many times we pray for something and how few times we praise for the very thing we prayed for. We praise little for what we prayed for. Let's praise more than we pray. Every one of us have to pray. We all have things that we have prayer requests for, but let's remember to praise more. Oh, that it may not said of us, oh, that Matt Furs would praise the Lord for the wonderful things that I've done for him. Oh, that Matt Fleurs would not forget to mention the wonderful works that's been done in his behalf. And then verse 10, it says, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Secondly, I want you to point out, I want to point to you something else. I don't know, but there's probably people in here that you've been in prison or in jail. Don't let that make you feel like you're less than anyone else in this room. It could very well be that God has done a wonderful thing in your life by doing that. You know why? The Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I know people, I've talked to them, who do not need the Jesus that my Bible preaches. You know why? They're already good enough in their own eyes. They're in bigger danger than they know. The Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Notice here in verse number 11, because they rebelled against the words of God. This is why he did what he did. He did what he did because they got themselves in trouble. So secondly, he humbles the rebel so as to rattle their cage. As it says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God sets free the prisoner who's bound in their their own iniquity and their own sin. And the worst sin I think of all probably is pride. And pride keeps us from seeing our need. And pride keeps us from asking for help. But God in his wisdom 
Verse 12 brought down their heart to, with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. And then notice the pattern. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. I don't enjoy humbling any more than you do. But humbling's a wonderful thing because it causes me to do something I should have been doing earlier, cry unto the Lord. And maybe that's you today. Maybe God's brought you through a humbling experience. Maybe it's because you've rebelled against his word and rebelled against the idea that you are dependent on him. Or maybe that was you and he has rescued you from that. And Then let me read you again verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 16, for he hath broken the gates of brass cut the bars of iron and sunder. There could have been a time in your life where someone tried to invite you to church or invite you to hear serious biblical preaching and teaching and you laughed and said, I don't need that. And you didn't know it, but you were bound in sin. You didn't know it, but you actually had handcuffs on. You're a slave to your own pride or your own self-sufficiency. But now, God's broken that. And you can say, oh, praise the Lord for his breaking of my bondage. And then if, if that doesn't apply to you, let's keep going. Verse 17, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. They become so ill and so weak and so sick that they don't even want food anymore. Verse 19, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I don't know, but maybe someone in here has been close to death. And maybe they even told you you're going to die. And you felt like you were going to die. And you done like so many others have done, like even King Hezekiah did in the Old Testament. You cried to the Lord. And somehow a miraculous healing took place. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Maybe it wasn't you, but maybe it was a loved one. And all of a sudden, they were restored back to health. And I guarantee you, you were praying and asking God for a miracle. And God did that miracle. We've got people in this room, I didn't think they would be alive today, and they are. There's times in our lives where we should have died and could have died. And as was testified the other night, Thanksgiving Eve service that we had, I'm so thankful that God saved me from dying because I wasn't even saved at the time I was about to die. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, that he would spare our lives, especially if we did not yet know him, and he would spare our lives to give us more opportunity and more chance to know him. Verse 22 says, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works 
with rejoicing. It says in verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. Healed them from their foolishnesses back there in verse number 17. From their own foolishness, from their own self-destruction. Sacrifices, the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Look with me, keep your finger in Psalm, but I'm going to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and then chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is about the people, <clears throat> the people in Corinth who are admonished to pay attention to the people in Macedonia, the churches in Macedonia. And how that these Macedonian churches were very poor, and yet in their poverty, they still were givers. And it says here in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Let me encourage you to ask God to give you more grace for giving. I didn't say, let me encourage you to ask God to give you more money for giving. It does not require money to be a giver. It requires grace. You say, Pastor, you're not a very good financial advisor. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people with money that aren't givers. But people with grace can be givers. And that grace is something that's available. And we need to recognize the example of Christ who was rich and yet became poor so that we who were poor could become rich through him. That's what motivates me is to be like Christ. Chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And back there in Psalm 107, where we were, where it says, they cry unto the Lord because they are at the gates of death, and he sent his word and he healed them. And then there's just silence. And it's as almost as if there's crickets. And then in verse 21, God says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Years ago, I read about a lady who, who brought what, what was the equivalent of about $10 in American money. She lived in Europe and Germany. She brought $10 of American, with the equivalent of what would be American money, and she laid the money at her church, uh, in her church offering, and said, this is for the church. And, of course, back then, $10 was a lot more than it is today. And someone asked her, what, what possessed you to bring this? And she said, because in, in previous years, I've had to pay just about that amount of money for medicine. And this year, I haven't had any sickness in our family so I want to bring what I would normally have had to spend on medicine as a thanksgiving offering to the Lord. About a year later, she came in with a little bit more money and again, someone asked her, what, did, what was that about? And she said, because there's a horrible storm that destroyed a lot of property in our area, but my home was spared. And what I would have had to spend to fix up our property, I want to bring as an offering to the Lord. And then I also read another story about the parents of a young man who had been killed in World War I. And as a memorial, they brought a certain amount of money and gave it to the church and said, we want to give this as a memorial for our son who was killed in battle. 
And while they were discussing it as a congregation and while this was going on, another woman, another mother sitting with her, her husband in the crowd elbowed her husband and said, let's do that for our son. And the husband looked at her and said, why? Our son didn't die in the war. She said, exactly. You ever praise the Lord for what didn't happen? Just offer the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving? I mean, does anybody here deserve to not have things happen? I mean, right now, anybody? Well, I don't deserve to have a flat tire today. I'm telling you right that. I don't deserve a flat tire. There's nobody in here that deserves anything. So when we don't get what we do deserve, oh, by the way, there's a lot of things I do deserve. I'm not even going to list them for you. It's too embarrassing. But do we praise the Lord? The girl's just saying, I just want to praise the Lord. And I don't know the words to that song, but the chorus was about, so that when I die, I'll hear, well done. I want my life to be a life that praises the Lord to the point where he doesn't say, oh, I wish you had praised me. But rather he would say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Praise, someone spelled it out. P, P is for powerful. Nehemiah 1.10 says that he has redeemed his people by his great power and his strong hand. I have a God who's all-powerful. R is for righteous. The Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, Daniel 9.14. What I love about God is he's, he's just perfect. He's righteous. He's not inconsistent. He's a righteous, holy God, a righteous judge. A, A is for able. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm so glad that I have a God who is able. And I is for infinite. Infinite coming from the idea of Romans 11 where it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall not be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Infinite. My God is infinite. You can't, you can't search him. That's why I just laugh at, at statues that people call gods, idols. My God is so infinite, you can't walk around him. And strong, S. God is my strength and power. He maketh my way perfect. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty three, And then E. E is for everlasting. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Even if God were all the other things that I said earlier, if he wasn't everlasting, there'd always be the, the fear that one day he'll stop but my God will not stop. He is everlasting, and get this, he doesn't give me long life or good life. He gives me everlasting life. And I can praise him. Now, back in Psalm 107, it says in verse 23, 
They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. And the purpose for going on the ships back then was not for pleasure cruises. They didn't have any cruise ships back then. They were, they were business ships. And they either hauled people because they were prisoners or they were warriors, <clears throat> or then they hauled cargo to do merchandise and, and do business. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And if you were out in the Mediterranean Sea or any other ocean and you, had, and you were just in a sailboat, which is basically what they were, kind of like the Mayflower, you would learn to appreciate the power of the ocean. <clears throat> it says in verse 25, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. Has anybody ever been on the water when the waves were lifted up? I'm going to tell you right now, as the waves are going up and down and up and down and you are feeling like a little bobber in this shooken up bowl of water and pretty soon everything inside of you is going up and down and up and down and pretty soon whatever confidence or self-independence you might have thought you had is all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you something, when you're going to throw up, you don't feel very cool. You don't feel very independent. And not only that, but when you realize that if you fall over, you're going to die. And when you look up and see the front half of the ship way up there and the bottom half way up down there, you do think you're going to fall over and die. It says in verse 26, they mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. I hope I can say this the right way but I hope you have trouble like that sometime in your life. Anybody besides me ever get into that kind of trouble? Trouble that scared you? Trouble that kept you from sleeping? Trouble that kept your heart from beating regularly? You say, why would you wish that on me? I'm going to tell you why. Because sometimes that's what it takes for us to turn to the Lord and say, help! Oh, God, help! The man who wrote the song Amazing Grace was that kind of a sailor. Oh, God, help. Save a wretch like me. Number four, he rescues those who are at their wit's end. Did you know that's a phrase in the Bible? How many of you maybe not know that? They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. That's where that phrase comes from. You know what it means to be at your wit's end? You are out of options. You've got no more resources. Remember, the beginning of this section, it says that they went into the ships to do business. And now they're just clinging to the ship for their life. You read in the Old Testament where they would take, and in the New Testament, where they would take their cargo and they would throw it overboard, hoping that they could at least stay alive. In other words, all their investment and all their business cargo and all their dealings, they are tossing it over. They are throwing their investment. They are literally going into debt as the waves are. Why? Because they're just trying to survive. And I don't, I don't really wish that on anyone but I hope that that's what it might take to get someone to say, I need God because I'm at my wit's end. Jesus said it's easy for 
a rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. Why? Because rich men are seldom at their wit's end. Rich men have other options. And sometimes being rich is a very big curse. You might might think this is weird, but you should praise God that you ain't rich. Because if you were, and all of us probably know somebody, if you were, it'd be easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than for you to see you need God. And you want to see a tough guy look not very independent and not very cool. You put them out on a ship in the water like that. Clinging and clutching to whatever and just hanging on for dear life. You ever been like that? Not saying I wish it on anybody. But if you've been like that, you obviously aren't like that now. So did God hear you say, oh, oh, oh. God, thank you. You ever been where I, I've been there? I haven't, I haven't been as bad off as some other people, but I've been to the point where I'm just scared to death. Oh, God, I, I, you got my attention, and I need you. Bible says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths verse 29 he maketh a storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still you know that reminds us of something in the New Testament doesn't it Jesus with his disciples and they think they're going to die they're out in a little ship and they're in the Galilee and and they think they're going to die and he stands up and says peace be still and Anybody besides me ever be so, you're in so much trouble or so frustrated or so fretting and so absolutely at your wit's end and all of a sudden, one day, God just fixes it. Just took care of it. It's done. And if you're anything like me, here's what my human nature does. Now that's going to be a story to tell. How I braved the sea. I must be something special because God did that for me. Pretty soon I get proud of how I almost, I'm just being honest with you. Our pride is pretty crazy. And what we ought to be saying is, oh God, thank you. I didn't deserve your grace and your mercy. I didn't deserve to be rescued. I didn't deserve for that calm to happen and you calmed it. They're glad because they're quiet. So he brings them into their desired haven. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse 32 says, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. 
you have opportunity to sing praises to God. When we come to church, we have opportunity to sing and praise the Lord with our hymns, to volunteer to sing a special and to sing like the girls did this morning, Wednesday night to give testimony of what God's done for you in your life and how good he's been. He deserves to be exalted in the congregation, don't you think? How do the young people in our church believe in him if we're too proud to say, God rescued me. God rescued me. I was a mess. I was hanging on to that ship for dear life because I was out on the sea of life and I was a mess. And I don't even want to rehearse everything about it, but it was awful. Then notice here in verse 33 to the end of the chapter, he turneth rivers into a wilderness and water springs into dry ground. He, a fruitful land into barrenness and for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into standing water and dry ground into water springs. He has the ability to make it beautiful or to make it dry. Verse 36, and there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation. There it is again. That city. I can't, I can't, I don't have the human ability to emphasize to you what God has done for me as a Christian and what God has done for other believers. There's a city waiting for me. There is a mansion prepared for me, the Bible says. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through here. He has prepared for me a city of habitation. I'm going somewhere. Because of him. I have heaven as my home. Listen, you can take everything from me. As I said last week and the week before, you can strip me down of everything I own and everything I have. And I still have a citizenship in heaven. I still have a hope in heaven. I am on my way to heaven. I know it. I don't just hope it. I know it because of salvation. I'm one of his people. I don't deserve to be called his people. But I'm one of his people and I have that city of habitation waiting for me. The Bible talks about it in Hebrews 11 and Revelation 21. There is a new city, not like anything. Oh, by the way, there are no nursing homes in that city. There are no hospitals in that city. There's no IRS in that city. There is nothing like that is down here. This is a beautiful habitation and it's only for the people who are saved. It's only for the people who are born again. It's only for the people who know him and he knows them as his children and they know him as their father. He makes a city of habitation for them. Verse 37, sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly. He suffered not their cattle to decrease. And I must tell you that although I don't deserve it, God has increased me and blessed me over and over again. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. And if that so be it, so be it. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. He setteth Yet setteth he the poor on high for affliction and maketh him families like a flock. Nobody likes to be called a sheep, but I'm glad I'm one of his sheep. Verse 42 and 43, the righteous shall see it and rejoice. 
and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I love how God takes nobody and makes them a somebody. I love how God takes the poor and adopts them into his family. I love how God is able to look down at the broken heart and say, I can use you. You have a humble, broken spirit. I love how God is able to make you who doesn't deserve anything, me who doesn't deserve anything, one of his sheep, and prepare a city for us. He's in control of everything. And those who are wise observe these things. Oh, I know there are people out there who might have a bigger this or a bigger that than I do right now. They might have this going on or that going on. They might have more numbers in their bank account than I have in my bank account. Oh, there are times I would love to have that or wish for that or whatever it might be, but I'm telling you right now, I also know, and I'm even related to some of them, they don't have much because everything they have, they will leave behind someday. And I have seen some of my relatives leave it behind when they died. But the wise will observe and understand there's more to life than this one. There's a city prepared and waiting for his own people. And so I stop where I started. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Does it say so when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, Christian? (laughs) Does it say so when you're so focused on materialism and what this world has right now? Or does it say so when you praise God no matter what, you're just thankful and praising God for his salvation? Does it say so when bad things happen and yet you have something to give God praise for? Does it say so when your pride is kicked in the teeth and you say, I'm As a humble person, you say, I deserve nothing. And yet God has been so good to me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And all I can say to you is, is that here is someone who's been redeemed and I'm trying to say so. I'm trying to let you know that God has been good and we need to praise him. When I was a boy, when I was a younger man, we would go out to eat once in a while. And my father, who's always been kind of bad in hearing and loud in talking, and I think probably he was loud because his hearing might have been not so good. But my father, who got saved as an adult 26-year-old man, we'd go out to eat and we'd, all right, let's pray, everybody. And he'd say it about like that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our food. Thank you for our family. Thank you for. And as a young man, I used to think, oh, that's so embarrassing. I tell you something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. pull out a track and give it to someone at the store. Hey, I want you to read this. This is about salvation. This is about God. This is about sal- This is about Christ, about knowing Christ is your Savior, about going to heaven when you die. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Coworkers, I don't know if you've noticed this, but here's the cool thing to do at work. Complain. 
if you've got a boss, that's who you complain about. It's just the, it's just the natural. If, if you're in school, what do students do? Complain about the teacher and the school, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? You and I have a chance. Hey, isn't it awesome we have a job? Isn't it awesome that we're not slaves, that we actually can come if we want to and not come if we don't want to? Isn't it awesome that God is good to us more than we deserve? Isn't it awesome that we ate this morning and yesterday? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Praise God for who he is. Praise God for what he's done in your life. Praise God for the times in your life where it was absolutely scary and you're just shaking like a leaf. What's going to happen? And then he stood up and said, peace be still. And we're like, oh, that's nice. And then we go on our merry way and we never say thank you, God. We never tell anybody else what he just did. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Our heads are bowed.